This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and on YouTube. And this is our last podcast of the season. So a massive thank you to all our dedicated patrons for your support. We literally could not have done it without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved next season. Coming up on our final pod then, a season of poor recruitment and managerial mistakes finally comes to an end with an ironically thrilling game at home to Liverpool. We'll look back on that performance and it's going to be a busy few weeks of comings and goings at Staplewood with some players already saying their goodbyes. We're discussing what else we can expect to happen this summer. Plus, there's a champion to be crowned in our FPL league later. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by everybody. It's a full house. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. Ben Stanford is the founding father of the Total Saints podcast. Alfie House is the Saints reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. And Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton writer at The Athletic. All underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode 235 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. So the final game of a sorry season threw up a few surprises for all the final score on the final day of the season at St Mary's. Glenn, a crazy game to finish a crazy season. What did you make of it yesterday? Um, it was it was quite mad, wasn't it? It would um, it was as you said, very very entertaining. Which I didn't really know what to expect from the game. It could have been absolutely dreadful, and it did look like it was going to be horrific when we went two 0 down in ten minutes or whatever. I could see that you know four 0 down at half time and no one being there for the second half at, at that stage. I was surprised quite how many people were there. To be honest, it did it did look fairly full. I was expecting it to be um, very patchy with people sort of not bothering or or whatever. So um, yeah, two 0 down. And the, the key moment of the game was um, was getting the first goal back. Um, War Prowse's goal, which of course kept the game, 
kept the game close, kept us in it. It was a lovely bit of play by Alcaraz, which sort of illustrated why we um, why we really need to keep him if we possibly can um, for next season. Yeah, to to all at half time, courtesy of. Um, I mean, we've seen some dreadful goalkeepers this season, mainly in our goal. But that that guy, my word! I mean that that was that was a hologram of all holograms. There, for, he was just atrocious. It's Angus Gunn, bad. Don't copy his dad in on the. Um, <laughs> we almost got through the whole season. Yeah, without him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it, he was terrible. Zero presence. So, I mean, that that the second the first goal went under him. At half time, it just seemed like everyone just gave up defending. It's interesting with Liverpool because obviously they played a lot of fringe players, and uh, you know Liverpool fans are never shy of bigging up everything about their club. But their their fringe players are really really poor when you consider the level of the club and what they're trying to achieve in terms of winning trophies and stuff like that. So um, Suleiman's run for the goal is, is for the second goal is for his second goal is great because he takes it seventy yards or whatever. You watch Joe Gomez. I mean, when you watch it back, just watch Joe Gomez. He's just sprinting back towards his own goal, seemingly completely unaware that there's any danger at all. And by the time he turns around, the ball's in the net. It's just it's just so bad. And then the, the game took a turn for the surreal, obviously, with um, Adam Armstrong scoring with his first kick. I mean, Henderson put him through with a pass which was as bad <laughs> as, um, almost as bad as Romeo Lavia's one and for the for the first goal. Yeah, and it, it, it was just weird. I mean, all the substitutions in the second half were um, were kind of, Let's have another stand innovation for a player who's not going to be playing for us anymore. So it was a bit weird. So on the one hand, you could say, you know, Sellers managed it well, if you like, and he um, he uh, sort of gave everybody their moment. But you, you could argue that it's another illustration of him being just too nice. Too friendly, yeah. Yeah, too nice. I mean, I'm, and I'm sure Prousey looked a bit embarrassed when he came off as well. It, I, you know, I think he'd have preferred to stay on and play uh, and play 95 minutes like he always does. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange day and it, it could have been a lot worse. It was a very awkward day for everyone involved, bearing in mind after the team are leaving and, um, uh, you know, along with the manager. So I think overall with it being, um, with it being entertaining and um, some of the youngsters getting on the pitch and Tino getting on the pitch again, I thought it was um, it was probably as decent as it could be, and of course we didn't get beat, which is a bit of a rarity. So, uh, yeah, happy days. Um, I must just say hello to Mansfield 07, who says, "Have you got a person on the pod for every win this season?" That's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was six, yeah, wasn't it? Pretty yeah. much. Um, see if we score four at home and and still can't win. That's another game that sums up the season, really, isn't it? Yeah, so four times this season we've scored three or more goals, and we've not won any of those games. So that's um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a. a pointer to the future isn't it yeah and as glenn said and stupidly entertaining game just mental wasn't it it was it was kind of a testimonial game at times for just comedy moments players just doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily do adam armstrong running 40 yards and scoring sticking it in the corner for one and yeah it was just it was just a just one of those sort of end of season games that you do you do quite often get those with uh, teams have got nothing to play for. Liverpool couldn't change position up or down. We couldn't change position um, either. So yeah, for the, for the players, there's there's literally no consequence to this game. Um, so as a result, they put on a bit of a show, and it was yeah, it was it was it was good fun, really, wasn't it? I think I mean, if you're being hypercritical, you'd be annoyed at being four two up and and blowing that in the space of a minute. But I mean, I, I kind I kind of quite like the fight that the players had at with that. Um, that fourth goal that Liverpool scored because there was yeah. clearly a blatant handball by um, Gakpo out on the right, out on the wing, and there was about five or six players all then crowded around the referee. Are like immediately after that goal goes in, 
screaming at him to to bring it back or um, chat to his mate on on VAR or whatever. And it's like, well, where's this? Where's this kind of fight and getting in the referee's face been all season? Because that's been that's been kind of one of the things we've we've pointed out over the season is that we are too nice. Just I'm similar to the to the manager. There's no there's not been that sort of that sort of pit bull about us. The the sort of um, not willing to take stuff lying down. We've we've been um, far too easy to to kind of get in the faces of this season. And I mean that's that's the one that's the attitude has got to be the one thing that changes with whoever. I mean Russell Martin seems. I mean, it's not not been still not been confirmed yet. So at the still, time of recording, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's still an element of doubt. But mm. assuming it is him, that's one thing he's got. He's got to get into this squad. Is that you've got to you've got to be kind of on the front foot, and you've got to kind of fight fight your corner, really, because we've done far too little of that this season. Mm. Um, Jacob, an entertaining end to to life in the Premier League. Did you enjoy it yesterday? A bit surreal, really. No, I loved it. I had, had everything, didn't I? I had Cody Gakpo finally scoring at St Mary's. He had Adam <laughs> Armstrong uh, scoring clinical. Uh, Lavia uh, with passing. Bearing in mind, he's the only player that can actually probably receive the ball in that position, passing it straight to Jota uh, against, against a team that wants him this summer. He had everything. I thought Lianco scoop as well in that first half when he was out on the left and decided to try and scoop Salah. I just thought everything about it was fantastic. And I even like the more proud of the substitution as well. I thought it's so obviously a goodbye. But even afterwards, Sellers, he was in he was in quite a punchy mood. He was in a good mood. I thought I think he's spoken well the last two press conferences. And he said goodbye and I'll see you soon, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. So <laughs> had everything, really enjoyed it. No one can really look into it because it counts for nothing next year apart from if you want to play it from the back, you probably need to do a bit more practice than that, uh, given the first goal. <laughs> First things to work on. Alfie, was that some of the character that's been missing for, for this much of the season? Because, you know, to come back from from two goals down, you, you're like you're just scratching your head going, where where's this team been all year? Yeah, I think mean, you, you could say that, but ultimately the game was, as Jacob just touched on there, meaningless and it was crazy and it was Liverpool's dysfunctional back line that even Ruben Sellers pointed to after when he said, um, you know, he said that Cam- the only reason Cameroon did well basically was because they didn't, Liverpool didn't have their first team defenders in, which I thought was a slightly bizarre comment. But uh, it, it was true, they, they didn't. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because we point to all these one nil losses for you know playing nineteenth, I think three or four, or even five times this season, losing one nil. But yeah, as Steve said, when they score three or four on, on four occasions, they can't win those games either. So I thought it summed up the season a little bit well. But yeah, it was an enjoyable game, and, um, and let's see what the next season brings, I guess. And Ben, it's great to have you with us as well tonight. What did you make of it all yesterday? I mean, a result that I don't think any of us saw coming. I, we, we'd have probably predicted that Liverpool would score four, but I don't think any of us had Southampton down for scoring four in return. Well, I think my prediction was 3-0, if I remember correctly, Martin, so I wasn't <laughs> far off. But uh, yeah, I think it was just bonkers. Like Jacob says, I mean, from that that first goal that we give away, passing it across our air, right to, I think, Lianco was captain at the end of the match. I mean, everything in between that was just bizarre, wasn't it? You know, we had a team that's relegated. We got a youngster doing backflips when he scores a goal, you know, <laughs> it was just crazy. But I, I think it reiterates, and you guys have spoken about this on the pod a lot, you know, our record against the top six, and I appreciate that Liverpool made a lot of changes, but Saints have actually performed really, really well against the big six this season. It's, it's probably just Spurs and and Man City away where they got turned over, you know, first game of the season. Glenn will remember it, of course. It's been a, feels like a long time ago, but actually, you know, all, all the other games they've played against the big six, they've actually performed. And I think the frustration for a lot of us is if they've taken, you know, even probably 75% of those performances into the, the games that, like Alfie just says there, around them, they probably wouldn't be in the position they're in. So, yeah, a, a, a bit of a glimpse of, you know, what maybe what could have been. And I've, I've spoken to quite a few sort of friends and family today that really enjoyed yesterday. I think, you know, they, they weren't expecting it. And I think probably have taken a bit of a smile into the summer that they maybe didn't expect to. 
Yeah, that's nice. Bit of optimism. Um, Glenn, we'll get on to some of the departures in a minute, but um, Sudamana finally scoring a couple of goals is, is pretty decent. That's the sort of performance you might expect, I guess, from from a record signing. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a win win for everybody, isn't it? Because I think it's I think it's fairly well known that he's not been particularly happy since he's uh, since he's been here. And, and why would he be? He's hardly played. You know, he's joined for twenty two million quid and has, has hardly been given a game. That said, when he's been on the pitch, he hasn't done anything particularly. I think one one assist was it up at uh, Newcastle. So um, yeah, I was I was surprised to see him played sort of right out the middle and uh, to get two goals is um, is um, is is great for him because it you know I mean already if you look at the if you do look at those um, look on the on the on the internet at the all the Saints stories there's all these articles being written of like, oh the new Sadio Mane for Liverpool to sign so so I mean. <laughs> As far as um, Suleiman is concerned, that's great. If you know, if he wants, if he wants a move, and and he probably does, then you know, it's it's worked out really well from him. You have to bear in mind the context of Liverpool having Gomez and Matip not bothering to defend, and the and the goalkeeper just doing nothing whatsoever. So yeah, great. And but then Son Heung Min won goal of the season for an identical one to that one that Suleiman scored in the second half yesterday where it just ran 70 yards in a straight line with no challenge. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it was good from him. It was obviously his best performance for us. Nice to get two goals, but it has to, has to have a little bit of context of, um, as to how bad Liverpool's defending was. But, um, I, I don't anticipate him still being here next season. I think he's, I think he's still one of the players that if they get an offer anywhere near what we paid for him, I think they'll let him go. Bearing in mind, you know, other other players that um, we are going to struggle to um, to get rid of. So, any anything could happen with him. Basically. I did enjoy his his post match his interview. I think that's probably the first one he he's done where he said, "Well, if I stay, I stay, and if I go, I go." It's a new challenge. So, um, refreshingly honest. Um, what did you make of his performance yesterday, Steve? As Glenn said, we've got to kind of keep it all in context. And I know Ruben Sellers afterwards said that he needed time to learn the Premier League. So he was almost saying don't blame me for not starting him sooner. Is it a case of we just signed him too late? Maybe had he joined back in the summer, things could have been a bit different? Um, I mean, yeah, possibly. But then had we signed many players back in the summer, um, uh, an actual goal scorer for a start, then then things would have been completely different. And I think sort of this idea that you necessarily need to learn the Premier League, I don't think you do. I think you need to you need to learn the players around you. I don't think the opposition really makes that much of a difference in terms of the systems and things like that, because by and large teams in the top in the top European leagues, the vast majority of them play similar systems or slight variations of. And I think it's the it's the interaction between individual teammates that is the that is the key. And of course, let's let's not forget he came came in as a winger under a manager who doesn't play with wingers. So it's always going to be struggling from, from the word go, really. And I mean, even Sellers' form, uh, formation doesn't really uh, utilise wingers to the, to the same extent as, as, a lot of, as a lot of the sort of top, top managers do. But when we have gone 4-3-3, that's the sort of, that's the sort of role where I think he could, be, he could fit in quite, quite well. And I think he's probably a little bit under, underused. But no, I mean, he, he, was, he was good yesterday good yesterday and yeah i mean i i would like to think that we can keep hold of him but yeah as glenn says if 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 he's one of the few players that that is attracting genuine interest and we can get basically all the um all the money back 
It would need to be what twenty five million quid plus, yeah. I guess, as an yeah, offer. Yeah, I, I would think so. And if we if we get that get that uh, money back, along with what we're almost certainly the the sort of big cash we're likely to get for Lavia and Ward Prowse, then that's a big big chunk of money that covers the covers the shortfall that we're gonna that we're gonna see in terms of um terms of revenue. Once we then look at have an assessment of what what else is around. Nathan Teller's um theoretically gonna be back. I mean potentially Jack Stevens is back. Uh, I mean who who knows what the what the intentions of Bournemouth and, and Burnley are in in regards to those two players. Um so that's that's another potential win win for if he, if either of those clubs decide right no these are the guys we want. And we're we're actually going to dust off the checkbook and and hand over hand over the money that Saints want. Um, mm. I'm not sure it's not sure it's going to pan out that way. I I imagine for those two, I think they'll um, they'll look they'll look else they'll end up looking elsewhere. I think Teller will be too expensive for Burnley. I think Steve. I think with with Bournemouth, I think they can probably find better. But we'll see. I want to talk a bit about James Ward-Prowse as well, um, Ben. Standing ovation yesterday when he was subbed off on 87 minutes. As we mentioned earlier, I think Jacob said he probably would have been annoyed that he wanted to play for the final five minutes or so. But that was pretty emotional yesterday. And I think it's fair to say that's someone that deserves to be playing in the Premier League next year. Yeah, I, I think it's catch-22, isn't it? Because as Saints fans, we obviously want to see him, I think, in the team. You know, we, we're aware that the squad needs a rebuild, but potentially you don't want to lose your captain at any stage, really. But I think, yeah, you know, he's a player that he's played for England. Saints have undoubtedly helped him on that journey. But, you know, someone that's been at the, the club longer than Matt Letizia has, I think he's been there, what, 20 years now, hasn't he? So, you know, someone that I think, I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily underrated, but I, I think he's one of those players that potentially, you you, you know, will you'll, you'll kind of miss him when he's gone more than you kind of miss him when he's here if that makes sense and I, and I think you know you look at the stats I mean he's probably not had his best season but I think off the record and, and Alfie and Jacob will know better than me I think he's top goal scorer in the Premier League he's top assist for Saints you know most passes most tackles most interceptions I'd imagine he's in the top three for distance covered in the Premier League if not number one you know because he's normally out there so I think you know he probably I think he said yesterday he could have gone um, you, you know he feels like he's delivered this season and is going out with his head held high and I think it's hard to argue with that but I, I do think as captain again I heard him say during this week that there's only so much he can do and standards have slipped and things like that as well so I think there's you know there's elements of his captaincy that I think probably people would say he's not the strongest leader out there but I think in terms of what he's done for the club and you know whether he does get to stay or go I think it was nice that he got that opportunity yesterday and for St Mary's to kind of say goodbye to him. It was an emotional moment wasn't it Jacob everybody on their feet and uh, everyone videoing it too as he he left that was um, there was a lot of those videos doing the rounds yesterday but I don't think anyone would begrudge him his move I know we've we've spoken about this before but um, he would leave with everybody's best interests. Yeah, for sure. I think obviously you had Theo Walcott first, who he got a standing ovation. Everyone sat down. Ellie Yunusi then has, comes up, goes off. Another standing ovation. Oh well, half and half. Uh, and then James, and then James Will Prowse. Obviously, the huge, the biggest standing ovation for him. I think what James Will Prowse has done. A lot of it is intangible as well. People don't see it in terms of him being the conduit between the dressing room and and the ownership in, in some respects, but also the coaching staff as well the role model he is, the attitude he is in terms of welcoming the youngsters in when they train with the first team. What he does, he, he's the glue in, in a dressing room that's been pretty fragmented this season and he's always the, the guy that everyone looks to and he can only do so much. So he might not be the, the loudest. He might 
be the one only one that speaks in a huddle after they concede a goal but what he does do is he's one that everyone looks to when there's a crisis and unfortunately he's been too many crises this season uh for more powers to keep bailing Salampton out of it I think what he what he's done uh, especially in the last couple of years but especially this year he might not have had his best year like Ben says but what's I think I've appreciated him a lot more this year because the bird on on him is, is incredible and he's 28 now he's in the prime he, he has to get a move away and for a guy that's done so much for Southampton over two decades given everything you know you can't accuse him of, of leaving anything left in or anything left in the tank I think you know, having a move away to stay in the Premier League and to keep his England aspirations alive is is what he deserves is that going to be key do you think Alfie just the the England aspirations and this is a chance for him to to prove himself at potentially a bigger club and maybe win something dare I say or at least get back in that England squad I think possibly he's got a very hard task once to get back in the squad hasn't he really I think being totally honest Gareth Southgate seems to like Conor Gallagher and obviously we've got Bellingham Rice and that as well but I think Adam Blackmore made a good point this week on on the radio I think he he spoke to James Ward-Prowse during the week and he mentioned he asked him what was his favorite seasons at some other and he said about the European seasons and he said which one he said either you know, he, I think James Ward-Prowse was always making it relatively clear that European football is his aim and he, he wants to experience that. He loved it playing for Southampton um, and hopefully he gets that again. Obviously, I'd like to plant the seed in his head that if he was to stay and get St. promoted, he would be an even bigger legend than he already is. That would be fantastic. But uh, on the leadership thing as well, I think we only have the testimony of others and I think Theo Walcott came out and spoke to us and he was very clear that, that right, you might not hear Prowse all the time if you're sat in the, in the Northern or whatever, but he is the leader in that group and, and he said this. And on a professional level as well, with Wal Prowse, he's somebody who often gets wheeled out by the club when they've been hammered or when they've been they've lost a big game and it's probably not at the, the time he wants to talk, but he's always he's always professional, he's always happy to chat and he's always pretty honest. I think the only question he's ever been not honest with me, in my opinion, is, is asking about his future. I think it's because he, he probably can't reveal anymore, so you have to give him that. But yeah, I'll, I'll miss him for sure. So who captains the side next year then, Steve, because, uh, or next season, because with the new manager coming in, the role of the captain, I guess, is going to be pretty decent as well. Is, is it just a case of waiting and see? Because there's nobody to me that really sort of jumps out at the moment. Um, but we have to see who's still there come the end of the transfer window. Yeah, I think you you kind of have to have to assess that situation when we know who's who's still around. You kind of look at the the current makeup of the squad, and I guess I mean it's it's weird having this conversation now, given given what we've been saying pretty much since August. But Jan Bednarek feels like the most obvious option at the moment, <laughs> which is faintly ludicrous. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, you you kind of look look at who else. I mean, Jack Stevens, if he comes back, he is he's a leader, but he's not a. I mean, as as I've banged on about this about him in the past, is that he's brilliant at organising other people and less less good at organising his own game, hmm. which is yeah, a little bit little bit of a little bit of a problem, I think, um, in that situation. I think we just need to have you need to have a solid a solid defence that that knows what they're doing and can get themselves organised and not need to. And not need to worry about about what their um, what their teammates are doing. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you possibly look at look at players who might come in. Bianco for me, well, all day. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it would be a fun option, wouldn't it? Be hilarious. Um, if I mean, if if, if Lianco stays, then I mean, he's a he's a candidate, isn't he? Um, he's one one of the few experienced players we've got. Wears his heart um, on his sleeve, doesn't he? Oh he, yeah, he definitely. Just, and he's he, he he's, he's, he's oh yeah, he's he's absolutely the sort of the sort of um player that every fan would want as captain because of all of the very obvious outward outward sort of signs of emotion that he displays. Um whether that's quite what you want in the dressing room when you want a little bit of a cool head and, <laughs> and some someone just to calm everyone down and say, Come on, lads, let's let's 
let's uh, switch on and and uh, just make make sure we get this get this sorted get get it over the line not quite sure he's he's quite the quite the same candidate for that for that sort of role but we'll see beyond that you look at look at the other players that are likely to still be here i mean Stu Armstrong captain material is he going to play much other than that yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty, a case of waiting and pretty, seeing, isn't it? Pretty slim pickings. I mean, Alex McCarthy is a has been captain before, Jesus. I think, for a couple of games. But I mean, quite quite frankly, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have him starting the first game next season. So I think, I think it's a no from Glenn. Glenn, just a bit on Theo Walcott as well. Announcing hmm. on social media before the game that he was off after well, eighty two appearances, I think it is over the the two seasons. And you raised a very good question about who has made that call because normally you would wait for the release list wouldn't you who we're not going to be renewing at the end of the statement it said my aim is to continue playing and i'm looking for the next challenge so that's that's not someone that's decided they're going to hang up their boots that's someone that's going to be looking at a move away or maybe another big pay deal lots of ways of looking at this one because i mean let's face it for the first year of his two-year deal he did nothing and i think everyone would have been quite happy if he'd left at the start of this season it should never have come to him getting back in the team. But the players who have played in those sort of positions, the wide midfield and attacking midfielders have been so bad. And Theo has obviously worked hard, got himself back into contention and and in the main performed pretty well. It's a low bar when you compare to, to other people, but, it, um, you know, when you compare the levels of the, of the other people, but he, he has certainly been, I would say, our best wide player this certainly in the second half of the season so I'm sure that money wouldn't have been the issue I'm sure he would have signed on for less money so maybe I'm thinking that now that he's got something lined up already maybe he's got something in the states or somewhere else because if he stays in this country you can't imagine he's going to get a game in the Premier League if he wants well, to it would be the cha- yeah the championship isn't so it it'd be and, the championship in which case well surely you stay what? where you are <laughs> yeah so it wouldn't surprise me if he's got if he's got something lined up and it's a decision that he's made himself and in a way I hope it is because it's always nice to make nicer to make your own decision than to be um than to have it made for you so uh, no fair play to him and I you know and I think he's he's we've we've had some bad attitude amongst the players this year as far as I'm concerned. And and he's been one that has never, there's never been a question about his attitude and his, mm. his desire to do well for the football club. So, uh, so I think, I think it's a shame that he's not going to be around from that point of view. But uh, as I said last week, we've got to draw a line under this season and, and move forward with players who, you know, want to put a shift in. And, and so we, we're not looking at players like we have been this season and and saying and I'm wondering if they're really that bothered um so I'll I'll miss him from that point of view but I mean if if we stayed up by some miracle I I would be I'd be thinking yeah it's time for him to uh it's time for him to move on and we but yeah I'm slightly slightly disappointed that he's not going to be around next year but I guess it's um I guess it's not the biggest surprise I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Again, you know, we're saying maybe Bednarek for captain. Glenn's going to be disappointed that Theo's not around next year. It's like, where have we come? You know, this... <laughs> give, give, give Mo El Yanusi a new contract. <laughs> no. Um, a couple of other bits on yesterday, Alfie. I just wanted to touch the, a, a phrase that I saw a couple of uh, people mention yesterday in news was the changing of the guard with James Will Prowse and Theo Walcott coming off some of the younger academy products coming on. Um, that has got to be a positive to take out of yesterday in these last few few games. Yeah, definitely. And as far as I was concerned, you know, Cammy Doyle and Don Ballard were, were sort of certainly much ahead of Sam Amayomi. But I thought his uh, cameo appearance yesterday was actually pretty sensational. There was one time where he picked the ball up on the halfway line and then sort of you know, turned somebody, went through two people and, and got something going. I think it ended up with a, a shot that was well saved, actually, from Walker Peters. It could have could have been a winner. But yeah, no, it had to be, didn't it? And I thought if Warprouse was going to come off, and uh, then it should have been for an academy player. And it was pretty cool that it was. Um, it's just about now giving them you know these next steps. Hopefully they get more chances in the championship. If they don't, then they need to find the right place for them to go and play football. Because you know, certainly someone like Dom, he's he's a he's a small lad at the moment. He's a, he's, a, he's obviously a goal scorer and he's he's been unbelievable. But he needs to be bigger. And you know, I spoke to Cami quite recently, and it's the same thing with him as well. So yeah, let's see where we go. But Southampton's always been about producing young players. It hasn't happened so much in the last ten years, as you'll be all too familiar with, unfortunately. So we just have to make sure that happens. And are they, when you speak to the Mafia, are they confident that there is that pathway to the first team now? You know, are they happy to wait? Because we've had a few that are, have left and been maybe a little bit frustrated. But is there a good atmosphere and a good vibe among these young lads? Because I think they're going to be quite keen next year. Well, I think they know that it's not going to be easy. And I think you've seen, like you mentioned, with, with Jimmy J. Morgan and Eddie Beach both going to Chelsea in slightly different circumstances this year. Um, you've seen, you know, when you've got how 20 years. How many first team games have they played this year? Well, none, of course. I mean, Jimmy's been injured ever since, but Eddie's enjoyed it very much. But I guess the point is that if you see Gavin Bazunu, 21, signed in front of you, if you see Samuel Adozi, Juan Larios, uh, players in these respective positions, it probably does feel very difficult, doesn't it? To You know, if they spend five million quid on them, how am I ever going to get a game? So, um, but it's hard to tell when you speak to them. When I spoke to Cami, you know, he he's a confident lad. I think he he will expect to play a role, certainly in pre-season. I think he'll expect to, to somewhat play a role in, in the squad next season as well. But yeah, it's just about showing them, you know, they, they've done well. They've done all they can so far. It's now about giving them a chance. Someone else, Ben, who might take a bit of a confidence boost out of yesterday is, is Adam Armstrong, pretty well-taken goal. We mentioned that he was happy to stick around in the Championship. We saw him dropped out of the squad completely uh, last week, back in. Um, well-taken goal. Someone that wants to stay, has scored goals in the Championship. Could be uh, could be a decent squad player next year. I can see Glenn instantly rest his chin in his hand there was, uh, about this question. <laughs> but, uh, do you know, I was thinking about this. If now, the... never, really, <laughs> well, is, isn't it? It's a case of, you know, if you can't do it in the championship, then... That, that's the thing. I mean, you know, we know that the squad needs a reset, but they, they haven't got the money and they haven't got the time to, to get rid of 25 players and bring in 25 new players. So they're obviously going to have to make some decisions over the next few weeks about who they want to, to stay and keep. Now, if we're assuming potentially, you know, there's obviously been um, news of potential interest in Shea and people like that, and Oacha, you know, very unproven. So you potentially got someone there and Adam Armstrong that has scored goals at that level has said he wants to stay you know I, I mean I've seen him play a few times this season potentially you know more more on the road than at St Mary's just because of where I'm based and you know he, he looks like a player that obviously he looks confused half the time like he doesn't know what his role is he's obviously been played out of position and I, I think the change of manager throughout the course of the season three of them you know 
I don't think it's helped players like him at all because they're, they're trying to learn different roles, different instructions. They're not getting the game time to really get out there and test it as well. So I think for me, you know, he, he's not someone that I would kick out the door straight away. I think, you know, you've got to look at him. He's got a record of scoring goals there. Obviously, it depends what Russell Martin or whoever it is wants to, to play up front. You know, I, I imagine we're going to hopefully bring in at least one or, or two other strikers to compete for the positions as well. But at the moment, if, if you're 50-50 on him, for me, he's someone that I would think, well, he's done it in the championship. Let's give him another chance, given that we're there now. Fingers crossed. Um, Jacob, one other thing I noticed yesterday was Ruben Sellers afterwards. He said, uh, when we have more possession, we don't manage it the best way possible. Was that a bit of a nod to the future and, and the incoming manager and, and some of the stories this week? <laughs> yeah, Russell Martin's got a lot on his plate, but it's basically, <laughs> it's basically just a byproduct of four or five years of just focusing entirely, mainly on on our possession uh, and worrying about the automatisms and where to press the first, second, third phases of pressure and not actually realising actually we can try and play through the third. So I think the only time I saw in the last I don't know, five years of Slander trying to build layers in possession was during that COVID season um, when Vestergaard was playing really well. Um, War Prowse would take up a position at, at full back and they'd try and build through that way. And that, that seemed to look quite good. And then obviously fans came back in and Slander got, I think they got a little bit nervy. I don't know what it was in the game state changed with fans back in the stadium. And yeah, they seemed to go back to type. And the, these players have all been built in Harsenville's image, not one of them arguably apart from Lavia although you know let's forget about Liverpool uh can play through the third you see the centre-backs I'd probably say if we want to talk about captain Lianco is probably the only one suited to play out from the back that could still be here next year so I think that could potentially be something that Russell Martin factors in um so yeah I think Ruben Sellis is he I asked him on Friday about what his principles of play are and he says my principles of play are to win and I think he's looking at that, that team and it'd be interesting to see where he goes next and see how much that style of play differs to now uh, because he's obviously thought the, the quickest route to success here is to basically just mirror the style of Harsnitz and whether he, is, he has actually got his own philosophy when he moves outside the Southampton bubble. A couple more changes as well as we start to, to look forward to the summer as, as not as in we're excited to be looking forward to, as in physically looking forward to the next few weeks. So I don't think it's going to be enjoyable at all. But a um, few more departures, a few more people coming in, a um, couple of changes in the, the the setup of the club. It's setting itself up, Steve, that this is going to be very much a Sport Republic summer, isn't it? There's going to be, at the end of this, no one else to blame with all the changes uh, that they've made with with those that have left and those that are coming in. This is It's going to be fully on them this summer. Yep, I mean, I, I would argue it's fully on them for the last 12 months anyway, but but yep. yeah, cer- certainly... They, they might argue differently, of course. Well, they, they might, they, they might but... <laughs> um, but then we, we can we can all um, we can all point to the sky and say the sky's green um, and try and try and convince people that unfortunately the the um, the facts do not lie. Yeah, we're going we're going into ultimately what is I mean, An- Ankerson should know the championship, and yet he came out with that absolute nonsense, didn't he? Saying that the um, he doesn't think the championship and the Premier League are too far different. So that's I mean that's terrifying in itself. But the fact that we are now starting to appoint people into positions of potential power. Um, so hopefully the the sort of macro management from from above won't be um, won't be taking place, and Jason Wilcox and all the other people who who are going to be involved in in this process over the summer can just be left to um, to get on with things, um, and their decisions are are kind of they're the ones that are that are allowed to take take effect, and the board just kind of rubber stamp everything and and um, transfer transfer money to whoever needs whoever needs paying that's that's the hope 
uh, whether whether it works in practice, Christ knows. I'm sure I'm sure we'll we'll be reading reports in September when we fail to get an, another 15 goal striker um, of how um, Rasmus Ankerson thought that he knew best and decided to uh, kibosh the signing of whoever. Um, who ends up um, scoring thirty-five goals in, in the champion in the championship for Leicester? But we'll see. <laughs> um, Alfie, a couple more recruiters have been announced today. Uh, is it Mark Bitcon, director of performance? Uh, Darren Mowbray, which we spoke about uh, a week or so ago, confirmed as, as head of recruitment. Uh, it, it feels like it's all starting to to take shape now finally yeah has doesn't it uh, they do like the city group don't they i know jacob's made reference to it before as well i think uh although the the head of performance didn't come directly from the city group come from english rugby i believe um that the, they they worked for the city group for a few years so they've obviously seen what they like there it's um you know russell martin's claim that he likes man city spain and barcelona and they've got a very clear image of what they want something to look like in a few years time whether we see that or not i don't know but yeah You've got to get him in early. I think that's something that, that I credit him for as well. And I think Jake Waller said the same thing. The, appointing the manager now, appointing the head of recruitment, appointing the, these guys, the academy director still to come. Get everybody on the same page with, what, 62 days? Is it is it that few until the season mm-hmm. starts? And then we can start working from there. The other thing, uh, Jacob, I think we picked up on today is that some of these uh, new roles are going to be responsible for the Sport Republic clubs. And it wasn't just Southampton, isn't it? So it feels like there's that alignment that's starting to take shape that we've spoken about. Yeah, and I think we'll see a bit more of that once they actually start to be an actual multi-club in terms of purchasing more than two clubs. Um, and it's confusing as well. If you look at the board, two different boards, Dragon Solex on the Sport Republic board, not the Southampton board. That's hands-on in the day-to-day running of Southampton, more so sport republic so you've got all these people in all these positions and it's now about connecting all, all of them together and that i think it's probably made easy for sport republic that we've all got everyone singing from the same hymn sheet you know if you were going to try and do that with the existing staff obviously there's been issues hence why after six to 12 months sport republic have said right we need to get rid of all these people or they need to resign because they're clearly not suited to our multi-club model or our punchy ideas to say the least so i think from from now on in you know steve and glenn alluded to this is this is their ship that that they have to steer and it's all going to be on them and they have to make sure that alignment that rasmus angerson speaks about endlessly uh, and which he did to real good success in other businesses and at Brentford translates here um, and it's really important that they do it immediately because if that alignment's not here bet- between Southampton and Gusteppe the French club that they're going to be buying soon then it could potentially have a load of clubs in meltdown with a lot of fan bases very very angry. And Glenn, heading into the the summer, what is going to be a good signal of intent from the board? Obviously, the manager coming in, it seems like they're making a few recruitments. What's next for you? Is it coming out and new deals for players? Or do you want to see some people coming in or people just committing themselves for for next year? What what needs to happen next? As far as Sport Republic are concerned, I don't want to hear from them. (laughs) I I want the people that know about football. Yeah, I want the people who know about football to be the ones that we hear from. You know, if Jason Wilcox wants to, you know, to, to say something about the, the squad and the players and, and, and whatnot, then, then I, you know, I'd like to hear that. I mean, we we all know that there's going to be some pain with, you know, ver- various fans' favourite players are probably going to be leaving. The, the You know, the, the six or seven that we've we've got that are going to be uh, wanted by Premier League clubs. So there's there's going to be times, I'm sure, this this summer where we're looking at it, thinking we haven't got a functioning team on the pitch with the with the squad that we've got because all the forwards have left or whatever. But we haven't but had a functioning. We've been there before, haven't we? Though? We, we haven't had a functioning before. team all season. 
you know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the transfer window in back in September, you know, you, you looked at it and we'd signed what, nine young players and, and two older players who have turned out not to play at all, Aribo and Chiletazar. So it, it's, it's, it's not new to be in a mess. And I think we're going to, we're going to have to put up with it. Also, You've got a you've got a month of the season before the transfer window closes, so there's a there's a very good chance that you know the season starts and I don't know someone like Tino Livramento might get we might get you know if he plays the first four games next season we might lose him at the end of you know at the, at the very end of the transfer window. So I think that there's going to be a lot of a lot of flux, but yeah, I just want to see things happen. You know, I want to see some of the some of the high earners that we know are going to go. I, you know, I want to see them gone tomorrow, to be honest. And um, I mean, early early signs are good that you know they realise the urgency, and and things are are going to happen fairly quickly. But uh, but when it comes when it comes to players and and contracts and all that sort of stuff, it does it always seems to drag a little bit. So I think that, I think the first thing is to you know, get rid of the players that we know are not going to be here, and the and the ones that that don't want to be here, because you know there is there is I mean there's you know we've got one player and we all know who he is who gave an interview saying he wasn't bothered if he was in the team or not. Mm. Now, if if you're not bothered about being in a team that's bottom of the league, and you're not you're not questioning why and what you can do, but I don't want players like that around, regardless if we're playing at a lower level next year. You know, I want I want to see the the bad apples rooted out and um, and us um, and us start to move forward from now because there's no point in repeating the same mistakes. I mean, that's a real definition of madness stuff, isn't it? You, you really need to get things moving. And if we start signing all young players again, you know, we know where that leads. So there's got to be some sort of deviation from that. We, for my money, we need battle hardened championship players who know what this league is like you know I'd rather sign I'd rather sign a Dean Hammond type of player to play in the center of midfield than to sign a, you know another 18 year old you know from Manchester City's youth team or whatever so I'm sure there'll be a few of those it'll um, be interesting to see how it how it pans out but yeah it, I want it to start now I'm going to ask you all in a minute for your highlight of the season, whatever that might be. That might be an away trip. It might be a performance. It might be a goal. If you're watching live, by the way, then just um, you can let us know what yours is in the comments. I'm looking for the highlight of the season, and I'm also looking for a positive to take into next season as well. So uh, just just a heads up, because I think you're going to need to think about that one. Then with the relegation to the, the championship, it opens up the opportunity for someone to become a hero again. You know, I'm thinking of, of Ricky Lambert and, and that kind of player. And, and Glenn was talking about those that have to come in with a bit of an experienced head that, that, that know the league. It's an opportunity for somebody if, if they get the recruitment right. What, what needs to be done first for you heading into the summer? Yeah, well, I, I think I think there's two things here, and I'm just going to build on the point that Jacob made last week, which is about the strategy, right? You know, they need to have a clear strategy on what they're doing, top to bottom of the club. It's fine bringing in all these people, and it's great, as you say, Glenn, that they've moved quickly to bring people in. But these people need to know what they're coming in to do. They need to know what the structure is, what the the, the team that's working for them, what their their objectives are. You know, like any business models, and. Um, and, and let's be honest as well, as you guys have said on the pod week after week for about the last six, seven weeks, you know, Saints have been going down for a long time now. They've had plenty of time to prepare for this. So it does feel like the wheels are in motion and they need to kick that in to action. And I think the other thing as well is they need to start building some confidence with the employees that are left in the building and those that are coming in that they can actually make the right decisions. You know, I think 
arguably, other than Charlie Alcaraz, you know, they haven't made one right decision yet, Sport Republic, since they came into Saints, you know, and even he's a, a diamond in the rough that's got work to do, but at least he's shown some potential and there's there's things there to work on. So for me, it's just about starting to build confidence because, you know, as, as a fan, Martin, and we're all fans here, most of us, you know, it's, it's, you see good people walk out the door, the likes of Toby, you know, Matt Crocker, people like that that have been at the club, Matt mm. Hale, you know, someone that's been there and done a, a fantastic job. You know, these people must be leaving for a reason. So I think it's so important now that they, those sort of experienced heads that they've had to, to lean on Sport Republic are no longer there. And it's now about really starting to build confidence in, in who is in the building, that they can make the right decisions and help Saints move forward. And for me, that's the, the two most important things. So it's a culture from the top as well, isn't it? Uh, all the way down to the, the the players on the pitch. Steve, what about you? Just quickly on the, the summer. I mean, I guess what we need to recruit is going to largely depend on who stays and who goes. So is, is that what happens first? You want to see a few players come out and go, yeah, you know, I'm here. You don't need to bother about my position. Yes, I think so. Problem is you're likely to hear that from the players you least want to, want to hear it from. <laughs> um, but I already. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those, isn't it? You you're all in in this sort of situation. You are going to want to keep the the players that will inevitably attract the most the most attention from elsewhere. So there's going. I mean, hopefully there's a balance in that. There's. I mean, we we know that there's probably three or four that are almost certainly out the door and will get good money for them. The hope then is that the three or four kind of just below that that tier of of sort of top players that we've that we've kind of had this season. Okay, can we keep two, three of those? Kind of persuade them to to give it give give it one more season in the championship. Um, if not, if it doesn't doesn't work out, then this time next year, then we say goodbye and they they leave with our blessing. Will that happen? Don't know. Ultimately, there's there's going to be some some conversations in the club where they're presumably just going to try and offload people, even if it means paying off contracts or shipping them off on loan on um, to overseas clubs. But of course there's now a loan limit. Uh, we can only send, I think eight players on loan um, in total, which might even be drop, might even be coming down next season. It might, because I think it's a stage reduction down to a, down to a maximum of six at some point that FIFA have, have brought That's interesting. In. So um, that doesn't make our, kind of bloated squad situation any any easier to manage so yeah it's I think I think ultimately actually you you don't necessarily need to hear kind of out and out commitment from um from people although there's kind of been hints at it from uh from various players on on social media and, and such like I think actually you want you want decisive action from the club in terms of hawking these players around and getting the moves um for the players that we don't want as quickly as possible because you root out the root out these players all of a sudden there's there's a little bit of um uh, space on the payroll there's a spa- there's a seat in the dressing room for a start i know obviously pre-season won't won't begin until the start of july but yeah you once you've got the squad down to a manageable size again then you can you can start you can start um looking at it from the other way in terms of getting people in before then releasing players who are deemed surplus to requirements whereas now i think we're we're at the we've got to shed shed the extra fat first which i mean it's not going to be easy and yeah good luck to jason wilcox on that 
<laughs> That's the uh, overriding message. Um, right, highlight of the season. Gary's watching on YouTube says the highlight of the season was the final whistle yesterday. Uh, Mark, <laughs> yep, one of our patrons, argue. says the uh, the highlight for me was the Chelsea home win. Despite having a season ticket, it was the only win I saw all season. <laughs> and uh, Paul says the highlight of the season for me was Paul Doswell's rant on Radio Solent because we then won the next three games. Uh, I'm going to go reverse order. Uh, Jacob, first your highlight of the season, please, if you will. Uh, obviously, covering uh, my club is it's always a highlight. But if I had to pick any part of the season, I'd probably say meeting Joe Tesson because we're now gym buddies. We meet, we we go to gym four times a week. He gives me unbelievable dietary advice. Uh, gym talk, friends, yeah, <laughs> and, that, and, he, and we just ran about Slamton for about an hour and a half, uh, nearly every day. Brilliant. So probably meeting Joe Tesson, uh, I'd say that, but nothing to do with football really. But you've enjoyed your first season covering Southampton, right? Ups yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd like to write a few more positive pieces. I've tried with the academy, which has been quite quite nice. And obviously, if we're going to keep breaking stories, I'd like it to be more about how well a player is doing or or a really good signing, not having to do a, a sacking read of what, why every member of staff is disillusioned at the club. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's obviously not been the most ideal situation. Bearing in mind, I've been sport for 22 years. And the one season I finally get this job it, it ends in disaster but um no, it's been you. good and um the only way i i hope the only way is up yeah fingers crossed uh glenn highlight the season for you please nathan jones press conference at Brentford. was <laughs> <laughs> a classic it, it's yeah it's absolutely the best bit because i knew he was going at that point that was the point where i knew he was he was gone if you're talking performances then it's it's got to be beating Manchester City in the cup mm. but there's a double edge to that as well because it kept Nathan Jones in a job for three or four extra weeks which he um you know if he got sacked four weeks earlier at, maybe at, at what cost yeah maybe we'd have had a better choice of manager to bring in but if it had just given us another four weeks of Ruben Sellers it wouldn't have been any point anyway so uh so uh yeah I mean that's that's the um the Brentford press conference was the thing I found was, was the most amusing moment but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll um I'll go with that. Steve, your highlight of the season, if you will. Um, from a footballing perspective, beating what was at the time still theoretically a good Chelsea team back in back at the end of August, they still had a still had a proper manager in charge, and they were looking like they were going to be um, top four comfortably um, again. And we played really well that night, and I think everyone kind of thought after what looked like a really tough run of fixtures on, on paper in that opening month. Um, obviously, we took a bit of a spanking at, at Spurs on the opening day. But other than that, we played quite well in those those opening six or seven games. And everyone, I don't think anybody would have quite foreseen the the kind of slump that, that we then, that, that kind of then followed. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of about as good as it got, I think. Um, I assume that put, I think that put us like eighth at the time in the sort of very, very sort of early days of the, of the season. But yeah, that was, that was a, a good performance, a great night. And um, unfortunately the, the Lavia injury was probably what did for, probably what did for, for Ralph in the end, I suspect. Alfie, what's um, your highlight of the season? Have you been out for 5k runs with Adam Blackmore? Have you been uh, hmm. spotting him at the gym? What's, uh, yeah, no, what's been your highlight? Adam, I'm not sure either of us could do that. Uh, I certainly <laughs> couldn't. Um, I, Glenn's had the same ones as me. I've got Nathan Jones' press conferences for a start, um, although obviously slightly gallows in that because they, they were disastrous, but they were enjoyable. They were funny. He was, he was an interesting man. And the Man City win was probably the one that, that 
a performance that made me feel like uh, football never has before, really. I just think the way they beat Man City and the underdog story, it was just a shame that it was then tainted with um, a rant about Doswell afterwards, which, again, was also quite entertaining. But I'd also say that perhaps um, going to Newcastle on Monday, January the 30th, um, and then doing deadline day on Tuesday and the Cup semi-final, and then driving back on the Wednesday from a fresher point of view, that was um, quite an experience. And it was a long day, but it was something that I, I really enjoyed. Buzzing. Ben, I guess your trip to see the Fulham game isn't going to be your highlight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, that was my brother's stag do that we'd booked into the Aspire Lounge. So thankfully, we got to meet Latiz and uh, BT, which made it, uh, yeah, but hopefully the marriage will be a lot more successful than that game was anyway. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think for me, probably going to Goodison back in, uh, what was it, January, I think, um, Nathan Jones' only win, wasn't it, against good old Frank Lampard's Everton. Um, I think, you know, for me, it capped a uh, a wonderful personal treble over the years of seeing Benali score in the Premier League, uh, seeing Martin Caceres play in the in a Saint shirt up at Borough, and then obviously winning at Goodison Park after what twenty seven years. And you know we spoke about him earlier too great for different reasons goals from Prousey that day so yeah, it was nice to for, for for the rest of my life now I can say that I've seen Saints win at Goodison Park and there aren't many Saints fans that can say that Martin. No, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, I, yesterday I was thinking we're going to have to go there twice next year as well. So, I mean, that kept within 45 minutes of uh, of happening. Um, ben, I'm going to stay with you because as game week 38 came to a close, all eyes were on the Fantasy Premier League app yesterday. I know you've got the, the final update for us on the TSP Patreon Championship. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think let's start with the FPL Cup because we, we had the league and obviously the, the cup as well for our patrons only. And uh, the cup was a, a bit of a USA uh, feel to the, the final. Unfortunately, Alfie got knocked out in the semifinals, but I won't draw attention to that, Alfie. But uh, yeah, the, the runner up in the cup was um, Shane DeZilwa over in California. So he got 27 points in uh, game week 38. Uh, and the winner who beat him was congratulations to, to Corey Brenneman, who's also in, a, in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. So uh, his team, James Lord Prowse uh, got 36 points to take the trophy. So well done to you, Corey. Uh, I've been in touch already through Patreon and there'll be a uh, 2022-23 t-shirt on its way to you uh, over in Ohio. And then in terms of the FPL League, Martin, you're right. Uh, obviously just for patrons this season, um, but uh, top three in reverse order. Tom McCann came third with McCanchester City 2515. He actually won it the last two years in a row. So he knows what he's doing, does Tom. Um, but uh, came third this time round. Second was Ilya Markov, who's uh, a part of the Bulgaria Saints over in uh, Sofia, um, Kakala Appreciation, 2582. Um, so both fantastic scores there. But the winner in the end was Charlie Hawkins with the happy world of Aribo, which has got a slight uh, ironic tone to it. Um, a massive 2640, uh, two, so 2,640 points, which is uh, a fantastic effort. So congratulations, Charlie. And likewise, uh, a money can't buy T-shirt coming to you. Um, but yeah, just uh, quickly, Martin, to say, Thanks to all of our patrons, not only for playing in the FPL this season, if they have, but I think to, to the whole group, all of them, for all of their support and keeping the podcast going this year. As, as you guys know, and you, you regularly say, Martin, it wouldn't run without them. So a big and massive thank you to all of them. And if you've been watching every week and uh, and listen, you'll know that we always do the little predictions uh, league just for a bit of fun. Um, ben, are you going to buy yourself a T-shirt out of the budget? Because <laughs> the results have been checked and verified and you actually won the predictions league. Um, so congratulations. What was your secret? Well, I think following the Mark Lawrenson principle of just predicting Saints to lose every week. So uh, I think I ended up on 29 points. So there must 
have been a few games that I didn't predict them to lose in. But so uh, yeah, I, I said to Alex earlier, just the satisfaction really of winning that uh, Martin is enough for me. So uh, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll see who picks it up next year in the championship. Obviously, there's more games to predict, so uh, I could end up with a lot more points. <laughs> yeah, as Alfie said, it was a tough season for the optimist. Uh, Glenn, you were second, so well done. Alfie was third. Uh, Alex, um, who produces the podcast, was fourth. Me and Jacob were joint fifth, and then Steve um, was the Southampton of the predictions league. So yeah, miles um, adrift. <laughs> yeah, the less the less said about that, the better, I think. Um, but it's been good fun, and thanks to everyone that's given us their predictions as they've gone on. That's pretty much it for this week and this season, actually. So thank you to all the patrons for their support this year. Your TSP patron T-shirts are going to be sent out this week, so keep an eye on the post for those. Uh, as you know, we always finish with the weekly shout-outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tier. Uh, so thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Andy Hollis, and Andy Thompson in the Francis Benali tier, and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. To find out more about becoming a TSP patron next season and the benefits that come with that, do check out the website over the summer. My thanks to Steve, to Glenn, and to Ben. Thanks also to Alfie and Jacob. It's been great having your insight each week. Um, it's been really great having you on. Thank you to Alex Graham as well for producing the podcast each week. Thank you for watching and listening. And we'll be back next season covering Southampton in the Championship, which seems funny to say. Uh, have a great summer and enjoy the break. Thanks very much. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.